0: This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Well, hello there and welcome in to the latest edition of the Nothing But Bucks podcast as we get rolling on the day after the Washington football team hands our Tampa Bay Buccaneers a 20-19 defeat at FedEx Field, a game where off of the bye week, the Bucks were once again sloppy, self-inflicting credit. The WFT credit their quarterback Taylor Heineke making plays, but the theme was the same as the Superdome two weeks ago before the bye, which is if you're going to have penalties, if you're going to have turnovers, if you're going to self-inflict, you're going to give life to the other team, even a lesser team, even a 2-6 team that had no business controlling that game on Sunday, yet that is exactly what happened. Anyway. I wish I had better news. I wish I had better things to share. But the final score is WFT 29, TB, as in Tampa Bay, 19. And we got to talk about TB 12, as in the quarterback, and some of the things that went on there. But we also got to talk about a defense, too, that frankly didn't do its job in the second half and especially in the fourth quarter in the final 10 minutes of the game all of that is fair game here on nothing but bucks reminder however you found us wherever you found us, social media link through buccaneers.com the buccaneers mobile app we are here the day after games typically on mondays obviously after the sunday games now next week it is monday night football with the new york giants We'll obviously play along with me, stay with me. We'll obviously be on Tuesday after that game with another edition of Nothing But Bucks. We recap, we have highlights, we have interviews. I've got my analysis from field level as part of Buccaneers Radio, and there was a lot to see in this game. Uh, from field level now again I, I should mention to you i'll pull the curtain back here a little bit and one more thing too by the, in addition to the buccaneers mobile app and buccaneers.com subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts apple podcast spotify etc you'll get a notification on nothing but bucks subscribe as well through the buccaneers mobile app you'll get a nothing but bucks notification when the podcast is there usually by late morning midday the next day after a buccaneer game we have to make the sauce we have to put it in the oven we have to get everything done to where it sounds right. Uh, There's only so much I can do to dress up Sunday and 29-19 with the turnovers, the mistakes, and and WFT winning. But the sauce goes into it. It takes a little bit of time, and then it comes out, and we're all good with that. So... Let me uh, share what I've shared before on the podcast a couple of times. At the moment that I am taping this, and I tape this podcast sometimes at all different hours, I'm taping it early on Monday, I have not seen the full game broadcast. So a lot of times when you're sitting at home as a fan, you're seeing a different game than what I am seeing at field level. You are at a distinct advantage at home with multiple replays, depending on the television crew, the network, the crew, the number of cameras, how good the producer and the director are in the truck. You might see three replays that I don't see in the stadium. You might see receivers being open. You might see offensive linemen doing a great job or a poor job. You might see uh, certain players in in the secondary that are doing a good job or a poor job in coverage. And an analyst is pointing that out, that here, this guy should be here. This guy should be there. Again, there are a lot of benefits to being at field level. I, I am right there hearing things and seeing things, most of which I can share. Some of them I cannot. In terms of contact and collisions and big plays and emotion, I get a vantage point that most Envy, and there are a lot of benefits to being down there. However, there are some detractions from being down there because, again, there are things on the other side of the field, on the other sideline, etc. I can't see it as well. I can't see it up high as it develops. So in some ways, you're at an advantage over me over that. I do know this. I've been doing it long enough. This is year 17 for me on the sideline, believe it or not, on Buccaneers Radio with Mean Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore. This is now... The uh, 22nd year that I've been associated somehow, some way with the Buccaneer broadcast, on or off the broadcast, pregame show, postgame show, uh, etc. So I have been around and have seen a ton, including losing seasons and fired coaches, all the way to Super Bowl wins, the full gamut, the full range. So uh, it, there's a lot of experience, there's a lot of insight into what you're seeing, and I can tell you what yesterday came down to, and Bruce Arians said it in so many words, and we're going to play his interview off of Buccaneers Radio where you're going to hear it. These guys weren't ready to go. On Sunday, uh, November 14th, 2021, in a game in which you had a chance to put a stranglehold on the NFC South, as it turns out, they were not ready to go mentally and in terms of focus. And it showed from the very beginning of the game. Now, there were points in the game where they locked back in and played well. And the Buccaneers are so talented on both sides of the football, playing a bad team, and that's what the Washington football team is, a bad team, playing a bad team and letting them control the game, playing a bad team and letting them have the lead the whole first half, uh, 13-3, to 16-6, to playing a bad team and letting them have life in the second half even when you're scoring and making plays and go on long touchdown drives. That is as much... You self-inflicting, making mistakes, and giving them life and giving them momentum. You can't do that. You cannot do that if you want to win the biggest games down the stretch of this season that could clinch the division, win a playoff game in January. You can't, you're can't. you not going to win playoff games against anybody that's any good. Home game or road game, if you're playing like that. Now, you want to be at home in the postseason with the home crowd, sleep in your own bed, get in your own routine, be ready to go. You're definitely not going to go on the road and win a road playoff game playing like the Buccaneers have for the most part the last two games. Now, the Saints are a much better team overall, especially defensively than the Washington football team. So you could understand that a little bit. But again, they're they're struggling right now to even get anything right. I don't think the Saints are even going to be a factor as we get to the end of the season. I really don't. I think Sean Payton at this point, has basically, if you watch what they're doing, he's basically conceded they're a dink and dunk team. They don't throw the ball down the field. They don't have weapons to throw it down the field to. They don't have a quarterback to throw it down the field to. And the NFL's a copycat league, and people have figured the Saints out. The play, defense, kick, field goals, hide the quarterback figuratively, and don't try to take chances. It only takes you so far. We live that with the Tony Dungy Buccaneers at the end of the 1990s and in 2000 and 2001. It only takes you so far playing that way. And the Bucs had a superhuman defense with Hall of Fame players. The New Orleans Saints don't have that. They don't have Sapp and Brooks and Lynch and Rondé Barber. Please. Uh, but that that way of playing, not going to get it done. So I don't, I don't worry about the Saints. And, and the Falcons uh, were destroyed in Dallas. You got a game coming up with them, but I, I don't think Atlanta's going to be there at the end. Carolina, you play twice at the end of the year. Yes, they showed some pep with the win over the Panthers. I think the Bucs are going to be fine if you get to a 10th win in the division. Seriously. An 11th win absolutely will win the division. The thing is, you want home field advantage. You want to play a home playoff game in January. And you're not going to get there um, unless you win the division, number one. And number two, you're not going to play more than one if you don't get to a 12th win or a 13th win. So now you have three losses, which means the most wins you can have at the end if you win out is 14. You really have only about one more game to play with if you're trying to be the one or the two seed. Honestly, when you're battling teams like Green Bay and the L.A. Rams who've already beaten you and have a tiebreaker and the Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys who you've beaten and you have a tiebreaker and they've got one or two losses, you've got to be looking at big picture. You've got to be at around 14 wins to have home field advantage, first or second seed. 13 wins probably doesn't get you the first or second seed with those other teams. Now, the Rams and the Cardinals have to play again uh there can be other losses too for the cowboys or the packers while you're going along we'll see we'll see how it goes but that's the that's the important thing to take away from here is that your goal right now is to get back on track win games and i think the division will take care of itself where you're at least at home for week one i don't see saints falcons or panthers being there at 11 wins or 12 wins it ain't happening it ain't happening find a way to correct it Find a way to get there. All right, we've got highlights coming up straight ahead. We've got interviews. We've got more analysis as we go along here on Nothing But Bucks. Let's begin on what was a chilly November Sunday, chilly in Florida terms, because you woke up and it was uh, right around freezing, 31, 32 degrees in the greater Washington, D.C. area. We were playing in Landover, Maryland at FedEx Field. The Buccaneers have been in there numerous times through their history over the last 25 years since that place was built. Most recently, it was obviously the January playoff win in front of no fans. Uh, I will say this. The Washington football team used to be a proud organization with winning Super Bowls and a a huge, raucous fan base and a long-season ticket waiting list. They are beaten down right now. Fired coach after bad season after fired coach. Does this sound familiar, Buccaneer fans from the 2010s? They're beaten down, Uh, and and at the moment— their fan base is, has dwindled to the point where yesterday they were fortunate. They, I don't know what they called it officially. They were fortunate if they had 50,000 people at FedEx Field. Certainly about 10 minutes, five, five eight minutes before kickoff, the place was half full. Looked like about thirty or 35,000 fans. And I had been warned by several locals. I have friends, broadcasting acquaintances. They said, hey, this is not the same thing anymore. That uh that no longer is it going to be full and rocking and the stadium shaking and loud and deafening. And I'm like, okay, advantage Buccaneers. Get in there, put an early touchdown up on the board, get the defense on the field, take, take whatever crowd that's there out of the game and roll and go for it. Did not happen on Sunday. In fact, the exact opposite happened, and what fans were there? There were a lot of Buck fans, by the way, in and around the lower bowl. By a lot, I mean several thousand. Probably two or 3,000 Buccaneer fans were there in their Brady jerseys, their Gronk jerseys, uh, on and on. Shaq Barrett, a lot of Mike Allstott, by the way, in either red or orange. Some Leroy Selman, a lot of TB12 in either white or red. There were Buccaneer fans all over the place, especially to the TV right. To the left of the Buccaneer bench, we were across the way. When the Bucks went anywhere near that end of the field, uh, the Cameron break touchdown in the second half, that lower bowl in that end zone roared enough to where you could hear it, and you'll hear it on our highlight on Buccaneers Radio. So there were some Buck fans there that got their hands on tickets. wasn't much of an atmosphere, and you understand it. Washington Washington has has even been in the playoffs with a 500 or a losing record. Over the last few years, and the fan base has just beat down over Daniel Snyder, the owner, and the trouble and the investigation recently. That's still not over yet. So, anyway, that was our backdrop. A cool morning. The game time temp right around 50 degrees. The temperature dropping as the game went on. And the Buccaneers, unfortunately, uh, didn't rise to the occasion. They won the toss. They they had a false start right off the bat on the first play without the crowd being loud. And I'm going to name some names here: O.J. Howard. Uh, not focused, not ready to go on the first snap. Uh, Leonard Fournette, right after that, not focused. He's going to catch a pass and go 10 or 15 yards right away on a check down. And the check down became way too prevalent. The, the safety valve, the throw it to the short running back or receiver right, right across the line of scrimmage. But the first one was there and was going to be a significant game, and he drops the ball. Uh, and we saw play after play in the first half of this game where you're just shaking your head. Jumping off sides, on defense, uh, blown assignments, just problem after problem, and it led to the Washington football team getting the early lead. So the Bucks had to punt the ball away, and eventually Washington got a couple of first downs and moved into scoring range, and that's where uh, Joey Sly kicked their first of several field goals, a 46-yarder. He's a guy that used to kick in Carolina. He's been a couple of other places, and the kicking carousel goes on all over the NFL. So Sly banged it through. 3 0 lead, and then the Bucks come back out. You're thinking, okay, get some momentum. Move the ball down the field, make something happen. And the exact opposite, as our highlights begin, the exact opposite would happen here.
1: Darden checks in, the backfield for Brady. Throws it down, and a fumble that's intercepted at the 28 yard line. Through the hands of Jalen Darden, the rookie, and William Jackson, the third, scoops up the takeaway. Wow.
0: I know a lot is being made in the analysis about bad Brady passes or uh, being skeptical to try to throw the ball down the field into coverage because of interceptions. I know Bruce Arians saying that Brady had the interceptions and they're his fault. I don't believe that first interception is his fault. It's in the rookie Jalen Darden's hands. He goes to make a move. He doesn't protect the ball. It gets smashed. The ball flies up in the air. That's not on the quarterback. Quarterback delivered the ball, catchable ball. It's in his hands. That's It's an interception that goes on Brady's ledger. But that's that's kind of the same token uh, as a fumble from somebody. Let's say the running back gets gets credited with a fumble and the handoff is bad. That, that, that happens all the time in fumbles in major college football in the NFL. The fumble is credited to a running back because the ball is being handed to him, but the handoff is bad. The handoff is low. The handoff is to the side. The handoff is is coming out of the quarterback's hands. It's kind of the same thing when you're talking turnovers. Anyway... The defense did a good job of holding in and not allowing Washington to get a touchdown and make the game 10-0, so Sly kicked another field goal, and then then this became a very critical play early on in the game, as Gene and Dave called it, with the Bucs with the ball back down 6-0. Shotgun
1: formation, Fournette on the right hip, and Cameron Brady in motion, dropping to throw Brady, Brady throws it, it's picked off again at the 50, to the 45, to the 30-yard line. Another pick thrown by Brady over the middle on first down. And the Washington football team, on the
2: field. Bobby
1: McCain, has a pick. Second turnover by the Bucks. Second interception thrown by Tom Brady.
0: Now that interception definitely on Tom Brady. Not unlike the interception at the end of the Saints game. The GOAT throwing it high. Uh, throwing it uh, with velocity and overthrowing Mike Evans and just missing. And Evans was pretty well covered on the play, and the deep safety is able uh, to come up with the interception. And I I don't know if that was the whole story for the rest of the game, but it definitely became a concern for Brady's. And again, he's got all the all-time records right now. He's got the seven Super Bowl wins. Who are we questioning here? But he became reluctant. If not, I'll use the word hesitant to even look downfield. To somebody down the field after that interception things change and then washington's able to move into scoring range uh, yet again and uh, this now moves into the second quarter of the game with their time-consuming drive. And Taylor Heineke, the quarterback who bothered the Bucks with his wheels and had a great game running the football in the playoff game. He's made some plays here and there this season. But again, they're 2-6. and six. Let's not mistaken Taylor Heineke for Joe Theismann of, uh, of old uh, Redskin lore before they had to just call themselves the Washington football team. But anyway, Heineke comes up here with a big throw in the second quarter and a big lead for Washington.
1: Third down and six from the Buccaneer 20-yard line. Heineke in the shotgun with McKissick to his left, looks to his left, looking other. gets the pass toward the end zone, right open receiver, it is a quad ball, touchdown! Carter with a touchdown grab. We get over late with a safety, and the pass is on the money, and the Washington football team has taken a 12-0 lead. Where are the Buccaneers?
0: So the two turnovers lead to, t- to 10 points at that stage and a 13-nothing lead. And by the way, having been at both games, and that, that play was right in front of me, how it developed. Heinecke was going against a blitz, but he had time enough to wait for the route, and the route being run by DeAndre Carter, the receiver, was the same route the Saints ran a couple of weeks ago in the red zone, where Traquan Smith got free and Jameis Winston, obviously, before the injury, found him with the pass in the left corner of the end zone on the double move. Carter did the same thing, sold the in route, cut back to the out route. There's the football. Heineke threw it to space, made a great throw to the space of the end zone. Easy touchdown for them, way too easy. And a 13-0 shocking lead. I'm sure as that score was rolling across the bottom of the screen on TV or at other stadiums where games were going on. They're going, what in the world is this? That the bad Washington football team is leading the defending Super Bowl champions 13-0. But you still had a ton of time to go in this game. And the Bucks finally put a drive together, uh, getting the ball to Leonard Fournette out of the backfield, able to get a couple completions to Chris Godwin. And finally you move into scoring territory uh, right here. And Ryan Suckup gets the book bu- gets the Buccaneers on the board. Ryan suck
1: up hits the ball high and right down the middle and the Buccaneers score our first points of the ball game on this Sunday in November with 644
0: to go all right 13-3 you're hanging in the game here at this stage and you're trying to make plays with your defense and you were able to make some plays with your defense uh, as this game went on we mentioned how devin white didn't play in the playoff game back in january because he was covid 19 positive well devin white was out there the bucks outstanding third-year middle linebacker and he gets after it right here
1: first down at 15 the ball is spotted at the buccaneer 43 gibson the running back play action fake Heine under pressure he is sacked sacked to the crowd wanted a face match did not get a flag a legal play by devin white
0: One of, what, five sacks on the day for the Buccaneers, and we'll hear another sack highlight in a little bit. Uh, In the end, though, the uh, WFT comes up with another field goal and a 16-13 lead, playing field position, playing time of possession in the first half. Uh, And then the Buccaneers got a break. They knew that Washington was going to get the ball to start the second half, and the Bucs only had about 30 seconds left at the end of the first half. 30 to 45 seconds left. They had one play from midfield trying to make something happen. Again, it's very curious. Tom Brady didn't really take a shot down the field in the final 30 seconds of the half, even with timeouts. Not a deep ball, not a 20, 25 yarder down the field. It was all kind of dink and dunk. And then they they fired one over the middle to Mike Evans where it looked like they might have had some kind of trick play set up with him cutting behind blockers, but there's nobody there to lateral the ball to. And it's the last play of the half. And if you don't get in the end zone, it doesn't matter until... The Washington football team demonstrated why they're a bad team. Uh, and the defender for Washington dragging Mike Evans down by the face mask, giving the Bucks an untimed down because of the penalty, because of the personal foul. And Ryan Suckup's field goal would cut the lead to 16-6 at the half. So you're trying to hang right in there. You're now within 10. You're, you're figuring get a stop to start the second half and you're running the football game. And uh, you know, head coach Bruce Arians, none too happy as he came out of that locker room. I said, uh, what do you? What did you say to this team? He goes, "We we didn't play in this first half." I'm paraphrasing here. We got to be ready. We got to be on it, and yet we're still right here in the game at 16 to six. So you do get the stop. The Bucks got the ball, and I was a bit surprised at midfield. Again, I don't coach. You, you let Coach Arians and and uh, and Byron Lefwich decide this. I was surprised on third and short, and then fourth and short at midfield that the Bucks didn't go ahead and go for it on fourth down and try to stay on the gas with the first possession of the second half and get some momentum back. They chose instead to punt and back Washington up. That is what happened. Um, and then eventually uh, they're able to get the ball back here after after Washington's trying to play some field position and uh, and try to make something happen. And in particular, it was the defense making plays here in the second half
1: second down nine heineke toward his own end zone flushed out of the. he's going to be sacked as he in the end zone in the end zone for safety no, he's, he's going to be pretty just darn close outside the goal line and we get our fourth sack of the game
0: yeah the front four getting home with the likes of sue and vea and shaq barrett and jpp so that's the that's the sack they got and then the buccaneers would finally go on a short field after a short punt and jalen darden returning it into uh, WFT territory. They would go on a 43 yard drive. It would eventually end right here in a goal to go situation.
1: Line of scrimmage is the six yard line of Washington. Leonard Fournette no setback. Play action fake. Brady throws toward the end. A caught ball. Touchdown. It's Cameron Bray. What a great Bright play. Actually. Gives this best imitation of a Gronk spike. And the Buccaneers score our first touchdown of the game. at
0: 16-12. Love me some Cameron Brake. Six yards out from Tom Brady, and now you're squarely back in the game with the extra point good at 16-13 as Brady gets his first touchdown of the day. You really had a good feeling down there as it was it was chilly, but you had a good feeling on that touchdown. This team is going to snap out of it with a quarter and a half to go here and find a way to win the game even as poorly as they played at times through the first half. But that's when, and again, this just this goes to more of focus, being locked in, the defense. And and I know we should say this. Todd Bowles, a defensive coordinator, he's not able, in some regards, to call the same kind of defense he wants to call because of defensive backs that have been injured, have been out of the lineup. This is not the same defense without Carlton Davis, without Sean Murphy Bunting, without a full complement of, of his defensive backs that he's counting on. And those guys have been hurt. Yes, D. Delaney trying hard. Pierre Desir trying hard. Those are practice squad guys, guys that you've gotten off the waiver wire. You're trying to make it work. Richard Sherman, again, injured in the pregame, was out taking warm-ups with the first team and hurt his calf again off the bye week after not being able to play against Washington except against uh, New Orleans unless it was going to be an emergency, etc. So, anyway, you could not run the same scheme, I don't believe. You can't run the same coverage. You're concerned about man-to-man and being burned in some regards now they did blitz some you're disguising some things but yeah it was problems throughout the game and so eventually washington would go on a long time consuming drive uh late in the third and it would end uh right here with a touchdown
1: From the one yard line they feed the ball to antonio gibson he is stopped for no gain may have lost the yard well now he keeps on fighting did he get in he did
0: and the defense's inability to get off the field was big in this one. And Antonio Gibson, my Memphis Tiger, one of four Memphis Tiger running backs running around in the NFL right now with different teams. Three of them are in the NFC East, by the way. Gibson gets the touchdown. It's back to a ten-point margin, and uh, and then you're thinking, man, this is not uh, this is not where you want to be. Down by ten, you're in trouble. Yes, you've got the greatest of the all of the all time at the controls on offense with the likes of Evans and Godwin. And Godwin was about eighty percent with the injured foot, but you've got O.J. Howard, you've got Cameron Braid, you've got Fournette, Ronald Jones if you need him. But the Bucs couldn't get anything going, had to punt the ball away, but then the Buccaneer defense would finally show up here and make a splash play, including one of their leaders.
1: We're in the fourth quarter, 12.38 to go. Trailing 10, here's the snap on third and long. he has time, has time, throws a pass, wide open at the 45-yard line. Bubble football, scooped up by the Buccaneers. We've got the ball inside, outside the 30. Inside the 50-yard line. And Antoine Winfield gobbles up the fumble football. Rolling on the field is a catch. That's Belgium recovered by the defense. Out BYU made Tampa the catch, Bay. which would have been a first down for Washington, but is hit hard and fumbles the ball.
0: Again, Mean Gene Deckerhoff on the call. Buccaneers Radio, Levante David, 25th career forced fumble. Uh, he is the best in Buccaneer history at doing that. Bucs jump on the fumble and it immediately leads to a short field. And eventually it leads to Brady looking up top on a play where they caught Washington in a defense they liked. And Brady and Mike Evans did the rest.
1: Third down of a long three, almost four. Gio Bernard in the backfield now on third down. Two receivers to the right. Here's the snap to Brady. Brady looking, throws a pass to outfield. It is a caught ball, Evans. 20, 15, 10, five touchdowns, Tampa Bay. There you go. Throw the deep ball, Tom Brady. It results in a TD.
0: And here again, as I mentioned in the podcast, this is where I get an advantage at field level. The Bucks were using hand signals. You can go back and watch the TV. I'm not going to reveal it here. They were using hand signals to change to that play. And Brady did a masterful job masterful job of looking one way while he was changing the play to Mike Evans on the other side, on the left side, because he saw the coverage and he said to the receivers, help me bait this. I'm going to look to the right. It was Mike Evans all the way on a go route down the field, perfectly thrown by the 44-year-old quarterback. And you're thinking you're right in. Unfortunately, at 23-19, extra point no good by the veteran Ryan Suckup, who's been so money as the kicker for the Buccaneers for the last two seasons yanked it wide left and now it's no longer a three-point game with 10 minutes to go it's still a four-point game and by the way if you have kids and you love the cartoon movies like Monsters Inc I I even sent a text to my family there were texts coming down the sideline 2319 2319 that's from Monsters Inc uh, with John Goodman Billy Crystal playing Sonny and Mike or uh Sully and Mike and uh, 2319 was the code for uh, a kid has infiltrated the whole system. At, at uh, anyway, it, it, it involves Monsters Inc., the, the Disney cartoon, the Pixar cartoon, and a sock, and that code number. So when the score was 2319, I'm sure that more than one Buck fan, more than one fan everywhere that has little kids that remembers Monsters Inc. and those cartoons knew about 2319. 2319. By the way, the Buccaneers have won a game. Uh, in 2015, I looked it up to remember correctly, against the Atlanta Falcons at home, they won the game 23-19 that day. So 23-19 has been out there. So it's 23-19 at this point. We wanted the game to be 26-23, or even better for the Bucks to go ahead and win. But the extra point was no good. The Washington football team got the ball back. And here's what I'm saying again. Forget about uh, the, the turnovers, the problems, the penalties with Tom Brady. But the defense has the game right in their lap to make a play against Heineke, get off the field time and again on third down and and a near 11-minute drive to kill the clock. You allow them to run the ball. They're using misdirection, yes, with the handoffs and his mobility and the read option, but you're allowing him on third down over and over again to scramble, find wide open guys over the middle. Adam Humphreys, the former Buccaneer, catches a huge third down down inside the 25-yard line to keep the drive alive with with four or five minutes left. You're, You're killing all the time. And that catch was right in front of me on the sideline. He did a great job toe-tapping. We saw him do that so many times for Jameis Winston in the Buccaneers. Now he did it for Taylor Heineke. Give Heineke credit. He made throws and made plays that you allowed him to make, and you were even sacking him, and you got a turnover earlier in the half. It didn't rattle him. And that's the disappointing thing for the defense. Couldn't get off the field, allowed the WFT to consume the time, and that would lead to the clinching touchdown right here.
1: Heineke lines up against shotgun. will We've got Gibson on his right hip they need one yard oh yard away here's the snap and it's a handoff and an easy touchdown we had everybody on the line crowded in tight and all Levante David could do was shove Gibson yeah. as he crossed the plane of the end zone
0: again almost 11 minutes off the clock it leads to seven points if the Buccaneers could have just forced a field goal it still had like a minute left you had a minute to go get a touchdown they used all their timeouts though Washington killed the clock, and that was a very interesting call on fourth down, but Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, the former Carolina coach, uh, he didn't have anything to lose going forward on fourth and goal at the one-yard line with 28 seconds left or 26 seconds left, whatever it was. Because even if you don't score, you're still up by four points, and the Bucs are going to have to go 98 or 99 yards without a timeout and have something heroic happen to score a touchdown and win the game. You're down by four because of the missed extra point. So they were playing with house money at that point. Gibson's second touchdown salted the game. Final score, 29-19, a stinging loss for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and credit the Washington football team for making the plays when they had to, especially in the second half of this one. And so the Washington football team comes away with a 29-19 win, a stinging loss for the Bucs, dropping them to 6-3. You may look back on this game Maybe, again, if it has bearing on home field advantage, one seed versus two seed, keep in mind they changed the playoff format a year ago. Whether you're the two seed, the three seed, the four seed, you're all playing on the wild card weekend. The only team that gets a buy now is the number one overall seed. And maybe this game will factor into the discussion in in early January of number one overall seed and maybe it won't. Uh, maybe you'll get to the point where you're two or three games behind and it wouldn't have mattered. You're just, for seeding purposes in the NFC, a two, a three, a four, and trying to play at home. Again, as we sit here on Monday, November 15th, I have no doubt. I have zero doubt on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. The Bucks are going to get to an 11th win, if not a 12th win, if not maybe even a 13th win. Again, down the stretch of the season, you have three losses right now, 17-game schedule, remember. It, somewhere along the way, playing at Indianapolis, playing Buffalo at home, playing division rivals like Atlanta and Carolina on the road, you do get to play a bad Jets team uh, on the uh, on the road at the end of the year as well. Somewhere along the way, there's probably going to be a loss. I, I'd love to see the Buccaneers run the table from here on out and win the final eight games and and end up being 14-3. and three. And if they are 14-3, and three, they're probably in strong consideration to be the one overall seed. That's likely what it's going to take. But if you can get to 13-4 and four, with one more loss out of the final eight games, you're probably the two seed, three seed at the worst, something like that. Just because of the attrition of the Cowboys, the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Packers and who else they're playing, they're going to have a third or a fourth loss. So you want to be right there with them for playoff seating purposes, if that's the case. But again, it's a a poor performance, and the Bucs have got to figure it out. They've got to figure it out, and I believe they will, just like they figured it out last season down the stretch, and by the way, took advantage of bad teams like the Falcons and the Lions at the end of last year to help get the ship righted before the playoffs. You're going to have some bad teams that you're playing coming up. The Giants, who have a losing record on Monday night, have played better, but they're a bad team right now. Later on in the year, Carolina twice, including at home, and the Jets. Those are very winnable games. Atlanta at Atlanta, very winnable game against teams with with below 500 records. I know Bruce Arians is going to say the right things. Tom Brady's going to say the right things. Levante David, Mike Evans. You take everybody seriously in the NFL. Look at Sunday. But you are going to be favored to win, and you should win, against teams like Atlanta and Carolina and the Jets and the Giants next Monday night at home. Those are games you should win. And the Saints, too, by the way, in the revenge game at home. Because I believe by the time we get to December 19th and Sunday Night Football, the Saints are going to have a seventh loss, a sixth loss, a seventh loss. They're going to be out of the race. Take care of business and win two or three games here, and everybody else is going to basically fall off by the time you get to mid-December in the division race. That's the plan. That's the hope. All right, let's get to the Hooters postgame show in the comments after this 29-19 loss to the Washington football team. First up, Coach Bruce Arians, and and I got to admit, standing there Sunday night uh, with him, that he laid it on the line, Buck fans. I I love his honesty. Here you go. 29-19 is our final, and the coach is standing here with us immediately after it is done Tough ball game today. What are your thoughts immediately after it's over with?
2: Yeah, it's very, it very, very disappointing. Um, I have to apologize to our fans for the performance they watched. And, uh, you know, we had about eight minutes in this game where we played with the passion and the energy it takes to win in this league. And the other 52, we were just got awful. And, um, and that, that's a reflection of the coaches. So we got to get it fixed.
0: When you got back in the game, you got a takeaway, you got a long pass to Mike Evans. Just describe getting back in the game and getting within four.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a great play by Mike, and uh, Tom had a hell of a ball there. Good protection most of the game, and, uh, you know, we missed the extra point, it deflated it a little bit, but our defense has got to get off the field. I mean, we give up I don't know how many third-down conversions, and that last drive was a 19-play drive. That's, we're giving up too many leads in the fourth quarter and, and, and giving up too many plays in the fourth quarter, too much time off the clock. Uh, we just got to make more plays.
0: Do you credit Heineke some? Again, not only with the mobility, he threw for 250 yards today? How much credit do you give him?
2: Oh, he played his tail off. Uh, he, he played his tail off. Those guys made some really good catches, and, uh, you know, um, we didn't. We did just the opposite.
0: Uh, there were a couple of injuries in this game. I know it's immediately after it's over with. We saw Vita Vea being uh, carted off. Uh, any update, if anything, on him?
2: No, we have no idea yet. He's, got, he's in x-rays right now, and hopefully, um, hopefully it was just a, something that scared him.
0: You're going to come back now to play the New York Giants Monday Night Football. What will you emphasize right away as you get back home? Well,
2: you can't practice any harder or better than we did Monday through Friday. So it's it's the 48 hours from the last practice to kickoff, where we have to find the energy and the passion to play in this league.
0: As he said, not focused, not ready to go, not playing with passion, and also blame the coaches here. And and I thought it was very interesting. One thing that he said: we had a great week of practice. You saw the focus in practice. You saw a spirited practice and good execution. What happens between Friday afternoon? and Sunday afternoon in that 48 hours. What happens in particular on Sunday, an hour before the game, 15 minutes before the game, who's locked in? Who is ready to go? They were not a team, a team locked in. And there were individuals who were showing that all through the first part of the game. And then there was some frustration, some stupid stuff, some penalties. This team does need to get healthier Uh, I, I think it's worth pointing out, too, that Tom Brady obviously misses Rob Gronkowski on getting the ball down the field to the tight end. Got to get Gronk healthy if you can with the ribs and with the back and the problems that he's had. Antonio Brown makes a difference as well, lasering down the seams of the defense and the comfort factor that Brady has with him. But for right now, those guys are injured. You hope to get them back for the Washington uh, or for the uh, the Giants game coming up. It's been too many games for Gronk right now. you got to get him healthy. This was one of the concerns when you brought him in. He was not healthy in New England um, down the stretch of his career. It's why he retired. Back injury, elbow injury, hip injury. He had a massive uh, problem with his back and, and his hip his last two seasons in New England that limited him him in games. He played a full, healthy 2020 and played every game, the year off of letting his body rest from the pounding and beating. And yes, he went and did some pro wrestling, Rob Gronkowski, and some broadcasting in the year off. But obviously, it did his body some good to heal. He played every game without missing a game a year ago. That's almost a bonus. That's almost a cake a, a cherry on top of the Sunday to get him healthy for every game. You look at how injured he's been in the middle of this season. Get Gronk healthy, let him finish on the stretch run. This team will be uh, different. All right, Tom Brady. It was short and sweet. A lot of a lot has been made about this on the internet, on sports radio in Tampa Bay and elsewhere. There were not a lot of comments from TB12 after a second straight road defeat.
2: Tom, there didn't seem to be um, many shots down the field today. I know there were a couple of interceptions, the balls going off guys' hands and stuff. But what were they doing to keep you from having splash plays like in the past?
3: Uh, no, we just never really played on our terms. So you we know, played from behind the whole game, and you know, they played a good game. They they had a good plan.
1: Tom, last you guys came out of the line and kind of set things in the right motion for the end of the season? How hard is it to do the opposite in the first
3: game back? I mean, we have obviously you know you know it's just a, not a not a great day of football for us. So it uh, doesn't matter who you play if we you know have a bunch of self inflicted errors too. I mean we gotta we gotta eliminate those and see you know see if we can go out and execute the plays that are there. What did you see in the two interceptions? Uh we started with the ball they came away with it. So thank you guys. Have a good
0: day. Seventy seconds now, Nicholas Cage. It was gone in 60 seconds, right? It was stealing the cars with Angelina Jolie, the movie in 2000. Uh, gone in 70 seconds was Tom Brady walking into the press conference. Not a lot to say after this one. He'll talk more, obviously, midweek and get ready for the Giants and uh, get ready for that game. Uh, Brady again with the two interceptions. Did uh, throw the two second half touchdowns in this one, but not nearly enough shots down the field for whatever reason to stretch the defense. 23 completions, 220 yards. A lot of it is dink, dink, dink to Leonard Fournette out of the backfield or to receivers on short routes. Fournette caught eight balls but only had 45 yards. Most of it was just short, 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 not looking to go down the field. So anyway, got to get that part figured out. The run game, eh. Um, We'll see. Uh, 11 carries, Fournette, 47 yards. Uh, Some frustration, obviously, uh, with not being able to move the ball early and getting behind. 13-3, 16-3, 13-3, 16-3, and trying to make something happen. But you've got to stick with the run game to a certain extent. All right, defensively, there was some guys that made some plays in this game, including the the veteran, the perennial pro bowler, one of the leaders of the defense, Levante David. Here was Levante Sunday night after the 29-19 defeat.
2: And, you know, that drives time, I guess, the longest in the NFL this season. Just what, what were you unable to do on that one?
3: Bad yeah, football. Uh we had the opportunity to get off the field and we didn't. You know, uh we talk a lot of stuff but we by the way we played, we didn't play like it. You know, that was a moment where to put our stamp on the game and we didn't. Uh we let them keep the ball and continue drive drive and terrible, uh terrible drive for us that was right now right now. Like the focus?
0: Was it just not having a right kind of attitude? Nah. What
3: was it? No, nah, I just hate to say it, but they beat us. You know what I'm saying? They beat us. You gotta give them the props. You know, uh came out. Throw the ball, make they plays, and we ain't make no plays. But it's
1: not for
3: lack of talent, but you guys have the talent. No, no, never a lack of talent. Uh, I believe in everybody out there, but today just wasn't it. What about the last
2: year you guys did
1: so well coming out of the bye, mm-hmm. and kind of getting set in the right, right direction?
3: hard am it that this is the opposite of this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some guys had it in their mind thinking that we'll just come out and uh, you know be the team, you know coming off the bye and just do the same same thing we did last year, but. It's a different year. You got to have a different mindset, and it showed. So we definitely got to get back in the lab and get to work. What do you
2: think it, it is about the road games for you guys? I mean, that's where you guys are losing
3: them. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't really put my finger on it. Uh I guess, you know, just the other team just played better. You know, uh, especially today, you know, we came out flat, and uh, they made more plays than we did, and uh, we didn't play our best brand of football.
0: Again, that man was solid. Nine tackles overall and also a strip. Uh, great job to punch the ball out of the young receiver from the Washington football team and cause the fumble and help flip the field for a quick touchdown. Levante again now has had 25 fumbles caused. That's the most most ever in uh, in Buccaneer history. And you're talking about one of the great players of the last 10 years of this football team, one of the leaders to help get it fixed in the stretch run. You want so much for this defense to get healthy and shore up because of how hard Levante is playing, and and obviously you see different things. Now, as we mentioned with Bruce Arians, Vita Vea injured at the time I'm releasing this podcast. We don't have an update on his knee. Hopefully it is not serious with respect to uh, the knee injury in the fourth quarter. He has had a knee sprain in the past, two or three years ago. Obviously a huge player in the trenches physically and figuratively. So let's wait and see uh, what the diagnosis is, and hopefully it's not serious and he can be back soon, if not for Monday night, at least back within the next couple of weeks off the knee injury because they need him for the push up the middle. And I know some Buck fans are concerned with you know Antonio Gibson getting 64 yards rushing and they were able to get key third downs. They were using, again, misdirection, the read option, uh, Heineke's wheels. Give Ron Rivera and his staff credit for mixing up the plays and guys in motion or whatever. Um, but by and large, the Buccaneer run defense was solid overall in this game. Certain situations it was not, but they only ran for 94 yards on 34 carries in the game. 34 carries and didn't get 100 yards. That's pretty good run defense by and large. The final drive, you needed a couple of stops. You didn't get them. Inexcusable is the word that I will use to let the Washington football team, a 2-6 and six team, I keep belaboring this, it's a bad team, to let them hold the ball for the last 10 and a half minutes, you got to make a play. Too many star players, JPP, Shaq Barrett, uh, along the defensive line, Indominic and Sue, Vita Devin White, Levante David in that front six. You, you got to make a play. You got to make a play and get off the field. Yes, the secondary is banged up and you need guys healthy, especially at corner, but you got to make a play and get off the field, and they didn't do it. So the defense needs to shore up, obviously, as well. Uh, again, the final score, Washington 29, Tampa Bay 19. We put that to bed. The nightmare in the nation's capital for this weekend. We're back at it with the Buccaneers back on the practice field midweek. The New York Giants will be here for Monday night football. A chance to bounce back, a chance to be 7-3. The Buccaneers can get that win. They will remain in first place. They remain in first place right now in the NFC South. A win again Monday keeps you in first And I say again to you, Buccaneer fans, have some optimism here as we come down the stretch of the season. If you get to a a 10th win, and 11th win, you're in great shape to to win the division and have a home playoff game. What you really want is the 12th and the 13th win for seeding and the team that you're playing being the 6th seed or the 7th seed in the NFC playoffs for that home playoff game. Again, everybody but the one seed is going to play on the first weekend anyway. You want to get up as high as you can, a 12th win, a 13th win can help you get there. That starts with the Giants on Monday Night Football. The Giants will also come off of a bye week, just like Washington did. The Giants have played better football as of late. They beat the Las Vegas Raiders two weeks ago. They also won a game at home with the Carolina Panthers. They they went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs in Kansas City before losing in the fourth quarter. That's their recent games. Joe Judge now back as a second-year coach. Uh, in New York, Daniel Jones at quarterback. We remember Daniel Jones's first game as the starter. He won in Raymond James Stadium against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, scoring a touchdown on a scramble on fourth down. That'll a lot will be made of that coming in. Buccaneers try to get back on the winning track against yet another NFC East team. Already two and one against the East, with the loss to Washington being the one defeat. Now let's go three and one, get to seven and three, right the ship, and be ready for the stretch run in late November and into december that'll do it for this edition of nothing but bucks again we're here the day after game so we're here next tuesday after the monday night game subscribe away on apple Podcasts, spotify buccaneers mobile app however you get the podcast etc get that find us through buccaneers.com as well we're always here to recap with highlights analysis post-game interviews etc my thanks to jason Behringer helping me out with all the audio the highlights and the interviews jeff ryan's our director of broadcasting We are on the air, Buccaneers Radio, coming 7 Eastern time on 98 Rock and the Buccaneers Radio Network for Monday Night Football. The Bucs and the New York Giants, the two primetime games that are coming at home with the Giants and the Saints will be large ones, and again, we're ready for this one coming Monday. Be ready to be there, be ready to be loud, be ready to get the Buccaneers back on the winning track. We're looking forward to that. I am TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with me on this edition of Nothing But Bucks.